When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, welcome to the Horse Hour podcast. My guest today is the director of the National Equine Forum. Her name's Georgina Crossman. And we are talking about what's going on at the forum on Thursday, the 7th of March. You don't want to miss it. It's a time when the top industry experts get together and talk about how we're going to shape the future of our industry. This is Horse Hour. Welcome to the Horse Hour podcast. Now, one of my favourite events is just around the corner. It's the National Equine Forum. And it's when a group of over 100 of the top experts in the industry get together and talk about the future of the equestrian industry in the UK and how really how, how things are going to affect us. You know, we talk about Brexit. We're talking about equine flu. There's all sorts of things that affect us when we're looking after our horses day to day. So I'm pleased to welcome Georgina Crossman, who's a director director of the National Equine Forum. How are you, George? Hey, Amy. It's lovely to speak to you again. I'm good, thank you. I hope you're well and your lovely listeners are too. Oh, we are. We are very well. I think most of us have managed to survive the flu, touch wood. And are your horses OK? Yes, my my little chap is fine. I only have one at the moment, just a little rescue pony, but he is all good at the moment. Mm. It's been really scary, hasn't it? Everyone went into a panic and understandably. Yes, I think so. And I think it's a real wake up call, really, because you know, biosecurity is very important and it's it's very key for the equine sector as a whole. So everybody who's involved to understand what they need to do to make sure that they're that they're being safe around their horses. It is important. Um, and I like the fact that there were, qu- I saw lots of photos and videos on Facebook of farriers and vets that were being super, I don't want to say security conscious really, but uh, super biosecurity conscious. Um, and they were cleaning their feet in between their own feet, their own wellies and disinfecting their hands and things in between each customer and each horse um and it's it's sad that something like an outbreak can lead us to that but also it's good to see that that those sort of practices are happening yes it's really good and and just making sure that everybody is really up to date with their vaccinations for their horses as well um Mm. all of those things can help even if it the vaccination strain isn't um included within what's what's being um, used by vets at the moment it can help horses so it's really key that people understand that and this is one of the things that you you guys are going to be talking about at the forum this year can you tell us the date when's the forum taking place so the forum takes place next thursday 7th of march and it takes place it's in london it starts at 10 o'clock and we finish at around 4 30 
Now, you're sold out of tickets, but that doesn't matter because we can still watch, can't we? You can indeed. For the second year, we are live streaming the event, which is brilliant. People don't need to register, but they can register. We will put a link out on our Facebook page and, and through our social media and on our website as well. If people register, they will get emailed a copy of the programme on the morning of the event. Um, and they'll also be able to give us some feedback afterwards. But as I say, you don't have to register you can just uh, pick up the the link from the website and social media on the day. And I think that's amazing because you you sell out of tickets so far in advance and so quickly. You had some additional tickets available this year. Were they just for the afternoon event? Yeah, so this year we've introduced some afternoon education tickets. So basically what we want to do is to encourage students within the sector, so people studying equine or equine-related courses, and it's particularly for final year undergraduates, postgraduates, and also lecturers if they would like to come along. But it's only for the afternoon. They Unfortunately, they can't get involved in lunch or any of that side of things. They can come in from about two o'clock. Um, and then come in and, and enjoy the afternoon with us. Well, the morning session is uh, is really heavy. <laughs> Defra there, um, Lord Gardner of Kimball is going to be talking. We're talking about EU exit and you know what's going to happen for us then. What does it mean? Um, because all these things sound uh, like they won't impact on us because they sound so quite far away, but actually they're not that far away. So can we go through the programme now as to who's going to be yep. talking about what? And um, and and also, how can we watch um, when this is all, you know, even if we don't have a copy of the programme, is it via your website? Yeah, there will be a link on our website and it's also going out via Equestrian Pro TV and Clip My Horse. So any, any of those ways, um, if you log on, you should be able to see it and it's all free. You don't have to have a subscription anywhere. And we will also post um, the, the link out on our social media on the day as well. In addition to that, there will be some spaces, some places where we're able to take questions from social media. So obviously they'll need to be moderated. But if anybody has a question, burning question, use our social media channels to put those through. And we will do our best to try and get some questions asked that, that come in through social media. Amazing. So the theme for the beginning is the horse industry in a changing world. And your first speaker is the DEFRA Review, Lord Gardner. Um, but can we just start with explaining what DEFRA are? I mean, we know that they're the government, but what part of the government? So DEFRA looks um, after the environment. So the, the title stands for the Department of Environment, Food and Rural Affairs. And it's where the horse kind of sits within the government. There is also some overlap with another department, which is DCMS, which is a department for culture, media and sports. And that deals with racing and that side of things. But really, in terms of actually for the, the grassroots person, DEFRA is where the responsibility is held for equine identification, equine movement and that side of things. So it, it's really important that, that those people are able to come and talk to us on the day and actually be able to get their messages out and also listen to what the industry has to say as well because they do take questions um, and they they are there to to listen brilliant okay and then following then we have pamela thompson where's where's pamela from pamela thompson is a deputy director for portfolio and preparedness for defra and she's working very much on making sure that we are prepared when it comes to EU exit uh, or Brexit in terms of horse movements in and out of the country. Now, interestingly, that's really what, well, how, who's that going to affect? Is that, that's going to affect the top, what, 10% of people that are competing and going abroad, maybe potentially um, importing new horses? 
Yes, it's it's people who could be buying a horse from Ireland, for example, um, or buying a horse from from the continent, maybe from France. So it, it's basically the impact that, that that they will have with them. And we have people coming from Ireland um, actually to the to the forum who are concerned about how this might affect their business in terms of horses going backwards and forwards between here and Ireland. Mm, I never thought of that because when we think of EU I kind of think of Spain and France and Italy and I thought well that's not going to affect us much but actually Ireland is isn't it? Ireland's very important Mm. yeah. Okay so then after that we're talking about the central equine database which I love hearing about this database because we've been uh, talking about it for a while and it's well, you explain. What's the equine database? Yes, yeah, so the central equine database has been around, around and talked about, as you said, for, for a little while. And basically, the session this year is going to very much explain um, how, how it's all come together and how it's working. So it's a requirement for us to have a database, an EU requirement for us to have a database of, of horses. So basically, a, an understanding of the horse population of this country. And Stuart and, and the following three speakers so david mountford eva Brumer, and nick de Brower, are going to talk about actually how it's being used and how it can be used so it's very it's very important that we as a as a horse owning kind of population are making sure that our data is up to date um, that our horses are recorded correctly so that we own the horses that we actually own and that we've got um, their food status recorded and all those sorts of things. And basically this this session, so we've got half an hour or so for this, is going to go through and talk about all of these things and, and explain how the CED is working. I'm particularly interested to hear from Dr. Eva Maria Brumer because she works for the Anglo-European Stud Book. So being really selfish, I have a horse that's in that book. Um, and I do find it fascinating to hear how the different stud, because they have different requirements. Each stud book has a different requirement for how you get a passport. And um, so I think hers would be quite interesting. So Eva's from uh, the Anglo-European Stud Book, which is a PIO, which is a passport issuing organisation. And she's actually giving the view of a PIO as a whole the PIOs as a whole so not just from the AES point of view but PIOs as a whole about how the central equine database can be used to help them keep their data clean um, and make sure that it's kept up to date and that's really important because we have a lot of PIOs in this country and making sure that we're we're giving them the ability to actually look after their data is really key. Does she tell us what we need to do as horse owners as well and how we can support that data? Yeah, she she will explain or the, the whole the whole kind of session will explain how as a horse owner you can actually go on and you can take control of your data through what's called the digital stable. So you, you could have a digital stable of your horses, of your animals, and then actually how you can get involved with, with making sure that everything is up to date. For example, if you sold a horse, you can say that you're no longer the owner of it. Um, equally, if you bought a horse, then you might want to use the chip checker, which is publicly available to just actually um, make sure that you've got the right the right animal and the right details. Amazing. So is this available now, George? Can we actually log on and, and do this now? You need to head to Equine Register's website. So that's equineregister.co.uk. And all the information is on there about the digital stable. You can register your interest in that. You can also look um, and use the National Equine Chip Checker if you want to. And there's some information on there about what to do if you, there is no microchip in the horse. Um, and, and this really, really good portal 
that's got a lot of stuff on it, which will be explained in more detail at the forum on the 7th of March. Well, I'm going to go and register my interest now <laughs> so that uh, when it goes live, we can be the first to find out about it um, because it's brilliant. The website says there's 1.2 million managed equine records and 81 passport issuing organizations. So that is an awful lot of data to be able to collate uh, and keep track of to make sure that our horses are safe. If they get stolen, it should be easier to find them potentially. Yes, there are lots of use for it. So if a horse is stolen, but also if a horse goes out on loan and is then sold on and it shouldn't have been, there's all sorts of ways in in which it can be helpful. And we'll also hear as well um, how it can be helpful in terms of disease surveillance. So with equine flu on everybody's mind, that's really, really important as well. And that brings us to the um, the next morning session, which is the equine health update. Uh, who's going to be talking about equine flu? So we've got two speakers here and the, the key speaker is Dr. Richard Newton from the Animal Health Trust. Um, some of your listeners may have seen him on the television um, reporting, uh, talking about in the reports about equine flu and about what the Animal Health Trust has been doing in terms of surveillance. So he's going to be talking basically about learnings from the equine influenza outbreak and how um, how we can take things forwards in the future, because this may just be a practice for a, a future time when we're, we're hit by something worse. Um, flu, flu is not a notifiable disease. So DEFRA and, and that sort of type of organisation, the government doesn't need to get involved. But if we actually have a, a notifiable disease come into this country, then we need to be we need to know what we're doing, really. So it's very important. His, his message is very important. Um, and then we've got Jane Nixon from the British Equestrian Federation talking about the BEF's high health steering group. So she's very much talking about actually how we can move things forward. And the focus has been very much on the racing sector in the media but actually in terms of the the non-racing sector is also very important for all horses so actually what can we do for it for us and for our horse population i was really surprised to hear how many horses are not vaccinated i was something like gosh um oh don't quote me i really shouldn't i should remember statistics i mean not great but something like 70 percent of horses are not vaccinated I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. 
If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. It's quite a large proportion. And I think one of the things Richard in particular will will touch on is herd immunity. And um, we don't have a high enough level of herd immunity, therefore the, the horses that are vaccinated, to be able to withstand um, kind of quite a big you know an outbreak of, of equine influenza so i think that that stat is is an is a key stat and actually how people look at that going forwards in terms of looking after their horses is is a significant thing really for the sector as a whole and then so from that that takes you up to about half past 11 doesn't it of the morning sessions which like i said it's heavy first thing but all <laughs> but we need it. Time for a break then, I think, a cup of tea and some biscuits, followed by you're talking racing with Dr. David Sykes. So what, yeah, what does so, Dr. David Sykes do? So David is a director of Equine Health and Welfare at the British Horse Racing Authority, and his session is really going to look at the ongoing racing welfare initiatives. It will link back to some of the stuff we've done earlier in the morning, looking at the central equine database and also, of course, looking at equine flu as well. So it'll be interesting to kind of see that all together in terms of the racing sector amazing and then we go into the lunchtime session which is um, one of my favorite bits is the panel discussion where you get four of just incredibly talented and experienced people who discuss various subjects last year it was about small businesses what, what what's the discussion this year this year we're talking about how charities fit into the modern world so we have quite a lot of charities in the sector we have quite a few equine welfare charities, but we also have other charities, for example, Riding for the Disabled Association and education charities, which also are really key to, to the development of the sector. And they really support the sector as well. Oh, who's on the panel this year? So we've got Jeanette Allen, um, who's Chief Executive Officer of the Horse Trust, and she's also um, on the British Horse Council. We've got Ed Bracher, who's the Chief Executive of Riding for the Disabled. Emile Foray, who is the founder of the Emile Foray Foundation. And Professor Tim Greet, who is the Chair of Sparna. I think Emile would be fascinating to hear from because he is a professional rider and coach himself, as well as being a charity. So he can look at it from both kind of angles can't he yes i mean we, we've got a good a good kind of range there because we've got the horse trust which is um obviously an equine welfare charity that's based in the uk and, and operates in the uk we've got tim greet from Sparna, which is based in the uk but operates internationally and then we've got the rda um with ed brecher which is obviously a a, a country-wide charity with an awful lot of volunteers who do stuff on a on a very regular basis to to help support them, and then also Emil, who again works with the BHS, but is also his his own foundation in trying to to help uh, disadvantaged children. I mean, they've all done remarkably well um, over the last few years, but for me, just from a, an outsider, I guess. I think riding for the disabled is the one that has has managed to crack it over these last few years because they've just they it feels like they've come out of nowhere and they've been going for a really long time but the amount of publicity that they're getting the support that they're getting the nationwide recognition that they deserve um I think 
if Ed had a strategy, I want to know what that strategy was because it's working. <laughs> yeah, he's. I mean, the RDA is an amazing charity, and so many of our para riders as well have come through the RDA, which is, you know, a, a great thing for him to be able to say. Um, and I just think they do so much, so much good in in the sector as a whole. Totally agree. So. We're now on, I mean, that's all a lot. I mean, that you basically could fill a whole day with that, I think. But that's just pretty much the morning and lunchtime sessions. Then in the afternoon, um, we're around about two o'clock, half past two. So if you're at work, you're going to need to, um, if you're at work and you're watching it online, you're going to need to probably put up your laptop quietly so that people can't see because there's so much in the afternoon. Um, basically, it's about horse and rider fitness, isn't it, for the beginning? Yes. So we've got a, a session at the beginning, which is themed, which I'm really excited about, which is looking at horse and rider fitness. We've got some amazing speakers. So we've got David Marlin basically talking about the general principles of exercise training and fitness and what you need to do to, to make sure that your horse is fit. And then Rachel Murray from the Animal Health Trust is going to talk about how you can actually do that in terms of course stability and muscle development um, and how that helps the horse. But in terms of training, how you might not realise that your horse is fatigued and therefore can't do things when it gets to a fatigued point. So that's really important. Um, and then Ashley Wallace, who works for the World Class Programme at the British Equestrian Federation, she's a physio. Um, she is then going to talk about the rider's fitness and its influence on, on the equine. And they've done some work looking at elite riders, whereby they've looked at, at kind of their fitness and their crookedness, their straightness. And actually, there's a lot of things there that can be transferred down. Um, you don't have to be an elite level rider. They're, they're relevant for you, what, whatever level you're at. So there, it's a really interesting session. And I think everybody's going to be able to take a lot home from it. Now we're getting on to the speakers that I've had the pleasure of talking to um, and that you can hear on the Horse Hour podcast. So as each speaker goes on to talk at the National Equine Forum, at the same time, their podcast episode will be available. So you can actually listen to what they're going to be talking about um, and watching what they can talk about. I mean, there's so many different ways to find out the education and hear this education. It's brilliant this year. So Ashley, I've had a great chat with Ashley Wallace, uh, Dr. David Marlin, and then next, up is Dr Andrew Hemmings who I just adore he was so lovely to talk to Andrew is amazing um, he has done a lot of research on equine stereotypical behavior and he is talking about all sorts of things but including how crib biters and weavers learn differently um, and actually how we can how we can learn from that so what, what else did you get from him Oh, fascinating. He was, uh, we, we were basically, he said that um, the crib biting is a learned behaviour, um, but also has a chemical reaction which helps the horse relax. So potentially, we could get horses to stop crib biting. However, crib biting is also seen in, in all the horses that he, he did a, a study with, um, where the horses ha are crib biters, they're also exceptionally intelligent. And they have what I would consider a high IQ, basically, that horses can't have high IQs. But you know what I mean? They're quick to learn. <laughs> yes, but that's, so, but that's really important. And actually, if you've got a horse who's a crib biter, what can that, how can that help you when you're trying to teach it things? Mm. Amazing. So yeah, make sure you download that episode and have a listen to Andrew's, um, Andrew's session. I think you're going to have lots of questions uh, when you listen to what Andrew has to say. So is there any way that people can put forward their questions, George? 
Yeah, so the questions, particularly in the afternoon, we will be able to take questions from um, the social media. So if people want to pop questions up on, on the, the various social media platforms that we've got, so we're on Facebook, Twitter, and we've just gone on to Instagram. Um, we're also hopefully going to do some stuff on LinkedIn. So if you're on LinkedIn as well, from a professional point of view, we should be able to, to take some questions from there as well. But yeah, pop your questions up and we will do our best to take at least one from social media for, for each of those sessions. So at the end of the horse and ride fitness slot and then after Andrew's slots as well. Amazing. And use hashtag NEF19 and then it's yeah. easy for everyone to keep track. So after the after Dr. Andrew Hemmings on equine stereotypic behaviour, um, you then have your topical slot, which is the lovely Claire Williams from Beta. Yes. So we've only got one topical slot this year and it's just a quick five minute chance to have a look at the initial findings from the Beta National Equestrian Survey, um, which is just being done and, and kind of analysed as we speak. Um, and it will be really interesting because that looks at the number of horses, the number of riders, um, the annual expenditure on a horse every year, just general costs. And it's a real good kind of benchmarking exercise that happens every four to five years. The last survey was in 2015, wasn't it? And it actually helped yes. quite a lot of businesses know how many people were riding, how many men were riding, how many women were riding, uh, the, the average spend as well, I think, in the market. So I think that would be quite interesting to hear what uh, what Claire's results are. Um, and then finally, you have the Memorial Lecture, which is so lovely. Each year, you have the Sir Colin Spedding Award. Yes. And last year, it was won by Dr. Simon Curtis, who is an incredible farrier. He's one of the only three people in the whole of the world that is a doctor in farriery. Did yes. you know that? He is absolutely amazing. Um, he is very well well worth a listen. He, he's coming to talk about advances in farriery during, during his career. Um, and I think you will pick up some very valuable stuff about how to look after your horse's feet. Um, he did win the, the Sir Colin Spedding Award in 2018. He was a very worthy winner. Um, and it's great to be able to invite him back this year and for him to be able to, to talk to us about what he's learned. Brilliant. So you can watch the whole of the forum if you head to the website nationalequineforum.com. You can hear a selection of podcast episodes where I had the pleasure of speaking to some of these incredible guests. Uh, if you head to um, Acast, Spotify, uh, iTunes, all the usual places to download and also via the National Equine Forum website. Don't forget if you have any questions that you'd like to put some of the speakers then on the day just use the hashtag nef19 and make sure you tag national equine forum use hashtag horse hour as well so that we can retweet it because i think we're going to get some good conversations going and um, george thank you so much for joining us oh thank you so much amy for your support again this year the podcasts always go down a storm and it's great to get our speakers kind of talking to people a little bit more informally as well rather than just their oh. just their presentation so we really appreciate your support and thank you to your listeners and look forward to seeing what, what happens on the 7th of March. Thanks George I always feel really lucky because the speakers get to speak for 15 minutes on the stand whilst I get to delve in for about half an hour so I feel like I get a little bit more. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, it's it's really good. And a 15 minute slot is actually not that long to talk. So the fact they get to have a chat with you for a bit longer is brilliant. So thank you for, for your help with it all. Oh, you're very welcome. Well, best of luck. 7th of March is the day. Make sure you've got it in your diary. Whatever you're doing, head to the nationalequineforum.com and watch it. It's going to be great. Thanks, Amy.
Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. You can hear every episode of the Horse Hour podcast at the National Equine Forum via our website, horsehour.co.uk, and also via the National Equine Forum website too. Super easy, nationalequineforum.com. So as every speaker gets up on the stand at the NEF this year, you'll be able to hear the podcast episodes where we go in a little bit deeper into what their subjects are. So I hope you enjoy those podcast episodes. And don't forget to get involved in the conversation on twitter facebook instagram youtube just use hashtag horse hour hashtag nef19 if you're listening to this at a later date and you want to listen back to previous episodes then you can just by hitting subscribe on acast or itunes each podcast episode directly goes down to your mobile phone you don't even need to think about it and as always, I love hearing your journeys and seeing what you're up to with your horse. So keep tagging us at Horse Hour. I'm at Amy Stevenson one on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you name it, we're on it. And I really hope you're having fun with your horse, enjoying some of the sunshine. It's been really nice lately. Tell me, what have you been up to? I hope you have a great week with your horse and I'll speak to you soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.